Do you want your middle school girl to grow into a strong, confident, and resilient young adult? So do I. The only thing is, middle school's hard for both kids and parents. Welcome to the Raising Middle School Girls podcast. I'm Janice Scholl, and I'm just a regular parent on a mission to uncover the best tips and advice for raising middle school girls. Hey there, parents. Janice Scholl here. And before we get into today's episode, I have something to share with you. I know how invested you are in your kid's success. You wouldn't be listening to a podcast named Raising Middle School Girls if you weren't. But how can we help prepare our kids for the future in such a rapidly changing world? This is something I think about all the time. The Critical Thinking Institute's new program, Brighter Minds, Better Futures, teaches our kids how their brains work and how to seize control of their brains to improve their grades, decision-making, emotion control, and learning strategies. After I interviewed Steve Perlman, founder of the Critical Thinking Institute on the podcast, I knew this, my kids needed this program. And now I'm honored to be an affiliate for this program. In just minutes a week, through short videos, your kids will actually enjoy you can help set them up for lifelong success. Go to thectinstitute.com and check out Brighter Minds, Better Futures, or you can click on the link in the show notes. And when you go to thectinstitute.com, make sure you input coupon code Janice, J-A-N-I-C-E, for a 15% discount. As a CTI affiliate, I do earn a small commission for qualifying purchases at no extra cost to you. This helps the Raising Middle School Girls podcast continue to deliver great content to parents. Again, that website is thectinstitute.com, coupon code Janice. Now let's get into today's show. Today, we're going to talk about a topic that I know your household is dealing with, whether you even know it or not. It's internet safety. Now look, this is a huge topic. There's so much to talk about, and this isn't going to be the only time we talk about it on the podcast. The internet and social media is middle school and teen life. Whether your family participates in it or not, there are certain things all parents need to know. By middle school, most kids have cell phones, many have social media, and the whole internet world, all the good and the bad, can be accessible to our kids. Today, I'm interviewing Sarah Siegand. In 2005, Sarah and her husband, Jesse, started a community movement called Parents Who Fight, dedicated to raising awareness about digital dangers. Since then, Parents Who Fight has helped thousands of families protect their kids online through their workshops, webinars, personal consultations. Welcome, Sarah. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. I want to just start by asking what led you to start Parents Who Fight? Yes. Well, it goes back to when my kids were in elementary school. And I mean, I cared about, you know, online safety to whatever extent normal people do. Um, But we had a very low tech family, just that was a value of ours and we were broke. So that was easy to accomplish. And my kids just had some concerning situations come up with their classmates in elementary school that at first it was like, oh, that seems a little bit mature. And then eventually what they were retelling us, they were hearing, it was like that kid is watching pornography, which I was not really prepared for at the elementary age. I didn't foresee that. And so it just 
sort of dove me into the deep end of the ocean in really understanding what was going on. I started talking with other moms in the car line and at the PTA meetings and realizing a lot of our kids were coming across um, pornography online. And I knew there were some things you could do to prevent it. Um, I didn't know all the ins and outs, but I was pretty motivated at that point to learn what I could. And so I ended up, long story short, going to this conference in Washington, D.C. that was completely about pornography and um, how it's impacting society and our families. And I just got resources that were golden. And some of whom I still talk about some of the companies I interacted with at that conference for the first time. I still uh, I still refer people to their stuff. I still talk about them. And we came back from that conference and realized we need to do something in our school community. And I asked our principal if we could just do a simple workshop. He said, yes, 13 little people came. And from that, they told friends and they told friends and we were at other schools and churches and Boy Scout troops and really just kind of accidentally started doing something about it. And so Parents Who Fight, you know, became a thing in 2015. And since then, we've talked at schools, we've talked at churches, we've talked to our legislators, we do workshops and and webinars. And more recently, in the past few years, we've started going into people's homes and really coming alongside them and helping them set up some parental controls. Because now that technology is so ubiquitous, it is very, you can't just have like one thing that, you know, makes all of your devices safe. And it's totally different for every home, depending on your ages and what your kids have access to and what your goals are. So we go into people's homes and just kind of help them customize. But we also do that over Zoom. So that's something that we offer to parents just to give them our recommendations for whatever their situation and circumstances are. It's such a needed service because many of us parents just don't have the capacity to keep up to date on all of the different loopholes or kind of exposures that we just don't even realize we have in our household. At least that's how I feel. Right. Um, Maybe there's other families that are more tech savvy than I am. But that leads me to ask, how would you rate from the parents that you talk to, how would you rate parents' knowledge about what our kids are exposed to or have access to online? Do us parents really know what's going on out there? (laughs) I think it's actually better than it used to be for the first couple of years, we were trying to convince parents that there was a problem. And we don't really spend time in our workshops doing that anymore. I think parents know there's problems. Enough poop has hit the fan that parents are like, "Uh, what do I do? So we do tend to focus on like, here is generally awareness, but more so like, here's awareness about what you can't prevent. I think when parents come across something troubling, they're like, oh, well, what do I do to fix that? And there are some things it's like, you can't, that's the internet. Like there's literally nothing you can do to stop that. You know, I think as the parents, like my generation, I'm squarely Gen X. I'm a, I just turned 50. My generation really got caught off guard. Um, We had no idea what we were doing. And I feel like the millennials that are coming up behind us now who have elementary school students they are much more savvy because they were burned in their young adult years by some things. And so I do see it shifting, 
obviously there are lots of gaps, but everybody's gaps are a little bit different. And so I think that's one of the big perks of just talking about it, you know, and getting it into conversation in our communities and our schools, because you can really learn from other parents. One parent might know totally, oh yeah, this is happening on gaming systems. And another parent is like, oh, I had no idea about that. But here's what my you know kid was exposed to on the Oculus. You know, there's just, everybody can help each other if we just talk about it a little bit more. I do think that you're right. I'm also a Gen Xer and I feel like we need to have more conversations about it yeah. because the realities are so different for each families. And, and what I feel like is sometimes I don't even know what I don't know. Right. And that is one of the biggest challenges. Yes. How do you feel like social media and the internet is impacting our kids in middle school? Well, so those two different things, it's like, usually the internet is, you know, already on the scene in a kid's life by the time they get to middle school. But generally what we've seen is that middle school is really like the school sanctioned internet where kids are getting Chromebooks and having take home technology. Obviously the pandemic shifted a lot of that. It's like the first bit of, you know, internet access is a lot. It's like, whoa, I, I can watch YouTube in class instead of paying attention to my teacher. So it's changing the amount of distraction kids have. It's completely obliterating thresholds to barriers to academic cheating. I mean, kids are like, why learn that? I can just Google it. You know, they have access to a lot of graphic content. And even if they don't have social media, it kind of represents their first access to one another. So they're in, you know, Google Classroom, they're in a Google Doc chatting, um, they have email accounts. So it's a big uh, leap forward in the amount of access that they have in middle school, just because of the way schools are so technology driven now. You add to all of that social media, and a lot of parents do, even though you know, I think the biggest drum that we've been banging for years is, you know, the very most bottom basement age for social media is 13. And and we would not recommend that. Um, but many kids here in our county, social media is like 11 year olds. And some of those kids have social media. So it's like their first years of puberty, their bodies are changing, their brains are changing, they're horribly insecure. And their brains are impulsive and immature. And so, you know, what could possibly go wrong, right? So you're adding all of the drama of their relationships and they're trying to figure out who they are. The FOMO, the cyberbullying, not knowing how to talk to one another. It's amazing how that skill is just, it doesn't translate into the digital world. Um, and then very real predator risk, you know, for kids who are interacting in spaces where there's direct messaging, and they're not realizing that the internet could be this dark, scary place. They just are so optimistic. It's like, it's fun. It's all fun. So I, you know, over the years, we've started, you know, just really discouraging social media use in middle school. Of course, for a lot of people that the ship has sailed. But what I have learned is it, they may come back around. I meet a lot of parents who say, my kid used to have social media. Because something bad enough happens and you're like, we're done, you know. Now, when we speak to those parents, either parenting many range 
or many ages, a big, large range of ages, or parents who are in elementary school, um, we are saying, just start talking to your kid now that social media is not going to happen until high school. Just let them know. And truthfully, I'd love to see a national campaign by all of us who are advocating for that because we've all been a little bit like, oh, we don't really want to tell parents what to do. But now it's like we had the Surgeon General saying 13 is really too young, right? And so we have a lot of momentum right now as parents, and we would be wise to seize that. Like you have so much weight behind telling your kid not yet. And, you know, let's ride it. Let's link arms. Let's actually change things because a lot of people don't realize right now there's legislation being introduced that would actually elevate that age to 16. So that right now there's a law that keeps companies from collecting personal data on a child who is deemed under 13. That's the reason why social media companies have that rule that you have to be 13 to sign up. It's not because they're trying to protect your kid. It never has been. It's to be in compliance with the law. And in European nations, that law is 16, and in some cases, 15. But in America, where social media was pretty much birthed, it's 13. And, and we're trying to change that. So more to come. Yeah. Well, I love to hear that because we are not a family who thinks social media at a young age is good. No good really comes of it. And I, but I do understand that many kids have it. And so I really like from what you've said, I have two questions for you. First is why do you think parents allow their kids on social media in middle school, despite the evidence that it's unhealthy, particularly for our young girls? And I don't mean that in a negative judgmental way to the parents who do say yes, because I do think it is really hard. But but what what makes parents feel okay about? I think in some cases, parents are not using the social media accounts that their kids are interested in. And so it's like, I mean, is it really that bad? You know, I I monitor my kids, TikTok, I, you know, and but it's like, if you aren't a 13 year old, the algorithm is not feeding you nearly the same things as the algorithm is is feeding a young student. So, you know, so either the parents don't have experience with that particular form of social media or they feel like, well, I don't want my kid to feel left out. Um, maybe they have concerns about like their kid making friends. Maybe their kid has a truly, you know, they're having difficulty connecting with people in real life. And so it's like, well, maybe this is a way. Um, and I totally, I totally get that. But I think, you know, there are enough we know better now. We have studies now that we didn't have five years ago. We can see data on how it's impacting kids individually and collectively. And so I don't think you can make a case for it anymore. And what we try to just encourage parents, um, you know, in our workshops, it's like they're the gas pedal, but you're the brake. So they're going to want it. Yeah. They're going to ask for it. And um, this is where parenting gets hard and just being the bad guy, you know, but it really does. It's for their good in the end. And if we have enough of us who will say no, it will become more normal. And that's what we really weren't allowed to have at the beginning because social media crept into our lives unexpectedly. And we didn't think that it was for kids when it first came about, but now they all have it because 
cell phones are cheaper and parents are passing them down. So it's an accidental progression. But now that we know, I think we have the opportunity to, you know, shift with the winds of change. And I I do think that shift is coming for sure. That makes me feel good. Honestly, I mentioned we have decided not to allow our middle schooler on social media. She does have a phone. I For accessibility, we do think it's important. Mm-hmm. She can text with her friends. She knows that her parents check her phone and that you know the phone is only to be used in a way that you would be okay with your mom, your teachers, your principal, seeing everything that you've put right. on there. But it can feel really alienating to the kids who are not on social media. So for those families who do choose to not be on there, who do want to make sure that their kids are connecting with others in real life, do you have any suggestions? Yeah. So I hadn't um, really, you know, given this full picture of just how we have two boys and one is a senior in high school right now and one is a sophomore. And so they um, both got phones much later than everybody else. Our youngest one had a Gab phone in seventh grade, eighth grade. He didn't end up getting an iPhone until 10th grade. My oldest got an iPhone in ninth grade. And um, we had said, you know, social media is not a reality for you yet. And now that I've been, see, my oldest started social media, Instagram at 17 and a half. So I've been really in the trenches with him and monitoring his use and training him for a year Uh, plus. And it is difficult. It's no joke. So it makes me go, man, I don't even know if my youngest one will be ready by 17. But it does, it does take training. So that's why we did eventually say, okay, you can do it. But what got us through middle school years, let me tell you, it was school band. It was the school play. It was sports, church, the roller skating rink on Friday night. And what I would say to parents being completely out of middle school now, my kids are high schoolers. I have one getting ready to launch off to college. Middle school years is like the road work, you know, on the road where you have to go slower and you're like white knuckling it at night and the sleet is coming and you're like, you don't want to hit any cones. And it's, it's a very like hang on time. But I would encourage parents at whatever price point your budget can afford Put your money and your carpooling time into getting your kids into something real, activities that will connect them with students, that even if those students are on social media, while they're on the soccer field, they're not using social media. And they are developed. They have to, by default, develop those relationships. I was really thankful that like our school drama program, which was hours and hours and hours, you know, it was a very time consuming thing. No phones. You could not have a phone during drama practice. So that's all time that kids are like going back to 1985 and talking to each other, you know, super helpful. You know, like I said, church for us, that was where we found our allies. It was like, you're not giving your kids social media or phone, me neither. And so our kids actually got together and talked on the phone sometimes and go to the movies. And, you know, it's like, you really have to fight for it. You have to fight for community. And if there are, if there's a set group of friends and they already have phones and they already have social media and you are feeling like this is adversely affecting my child where my child is suffering with depression because they're not. Okay. So that's intervention status. 
And there may be, you know, call up the moms like, hey, this is what's going on. I don't feel good about giving my kids social media yet. Can we partner together to maybe we could have, you know, uh, we could go camping or rafting or doing something like what could we do that would be phone free to really help our girls, you know, connect or our boys connect. So I think it's like for parents, this is the time of great intention. Like you cannot sleep on the job. In middle school, you're going to have to find those activities and those things that will provide some analog, you know, social connection for your kids. Yeah. And I think, you know, we often feel like this is an age where our kids are growing up and they're getting more independent. And so we don't have to provide as much oversight. And what you're saying, I don't think you're saying we need to be helicopter parenting. But I think what you're saying is there are real dangers that are in front of and available to our kids, and we need to make sure that we are guiding them through this kind of treacherous stage. Yes, it's training. We have to make training the main goal of these years. And for us as parents, we were not trained, but we dove into the internet gradually because the internet was growing So we didn't start internet use with social media and cell phones and apps and notifications. Um, So we have to take a different mindset than, well, this is how I, you know, learned it. Um, Especially with independence things like, man, if you want to teach your kid to be independent, if that's really your goal, let them work at Chick-fil-A, you know, teach them how to drive at 16 and let them start going around to, you know, navigate the city you live in. That's where I see parents not giving their kids independence. Their kids are not involved in their community. Their kids are at home completely dependent upon technology. That's not independence. That is a very um, slippery slope that doesn't require anything of them. And that's really what independence is, right? So you're going to require them to learn how to be invincible in this area And in order to do that, we've got to give our kids bigger challenges than learn the internet. I mean, that's just not going to get it done. I host this podcast because I need the benefit of all of the experts I talk to and um, not because I know what I'm doing or I'm an expert. And one of the big things that that I've taken away from the interviews I've done to date is this concept of like, we can't just send our kids as young adults out into the world and think they're going to know how to do all of the things that we haven't gradually allowed them to do and to learn from yeah. mistakes through. And you're you're completely in line with that. You know, I think you're right. There are a lot of kids who have independence online, but they are not given independence and that progression of adulthood in person, yes. in knowing real how life. to go get your own haircut. And paying for it, you know, with your own money for crying out loud. Like there are things that our kids are afraid to do. Um, And, you know, you don't keep all that on a sixth grader. I'm not saying that. But, you know, teaching that like, oh, okay, today you are going to go, you know, one of the greatest accounts you could follow online is a woman called HR Mom. And she came out of the human resources world in corporate America and learning how to train people. And she applies those same principles to mothering. And so she talks about um, like helping your kids create spreadsheets, you know, 
teaching them how to do the online grocery order for your family. Like there are so many things that we overlook that our kids can grow in that maybe they even do involve technology, but it's not a consuming kind of technology. You're teaching them to use technology in a way that is productive and helpful for like a life skill. So we definitely uh, are in favor of that vein of parenting. Yeah, I love that. HR mom, I'm definitely checking this out. So is is it enough for parents to just decide to keep our kids off social media? Well, the word enough is the key word right there, right? Um, because even if parents decide to stay, you know, we're not going to do social media yet, depending on your kids' proclivities and how nefarious they are, when we go into parents' homes and kind of help them like, okay, here's how you uh, set up iOS screen time and you, you know, enable family sharing. And so you can exert a little bit of limitation on your kids' phones. Many times parents will say, yeah, my kid doesn't have social media. But as soon as we, you know, I come in there, I'm like, well, they, they have Snapchat. They've downloaded Snapchat at some point. And the parent, oh, I didn't know that, you know. And so the kids have great ways of hiding things. So as a parent, it's like, you can say we're not doing this, but uh, it's really important to get your kid to engage in that conversation and talk about why we don't feel comfortable with it. And I think there are, you have great allies in the form of all kinds of media that can help speak your kid's language and convince them that there are down, real downfalls. There's downsides that we are really concerned about. Um, something like watching the documentary that we were featured in called Childhood 2.0. It's an incredible look at what kids are really up against. And if your kid is not mature enough to watch Childhood 2.0, they aren't mature enough to have social media. So if you can't sit side by side and watch that movie, which is very like gut punch with your kid, that you're not ready. They're not ready. And um, another great um, organization I'd tell you about is Better Screen Time. And they actually have a checklist of, are you ready for social media? And there's a kid side and a parent side. And there's questions to answer uh, to really evaluate, you know, is this something we're ready for? Because it is another level of training and oversight. So if you have a kid who is like, they're going to disobey you and they're going to do whatever, you may need some technology help to really enforce that value and say, well, you can totally go around me, but I'm not going to make it easy on you. Um, just like if, you know, for crying out loud, if you had, um, you know, the most expensive um, cotton candy at the top shelf of your pantry and it was for a special occasion, you're like, this is, you know, and your kid uh, was like, well, I really, really want that. You're not going to go, okay, well, here's it on the bottom shelf, but don't touch it. You, you've, you've elevated it. So to make it hard to disobey, right? So um, there are things that you can do to help your kid wait and not give in to temptation. But I think in general, more than having parental controls and blocks and all this stuff, it's like parents understanding that your kid is always going to be the gas pedal and you're always going to be the brake and the steering wheel. And so in order to really you know, make it through the middle school years, you have to have a deep connection with your kid so that they understand if you're waiting on social media, why? And that they can start to appreciate that. And honestly, for my kids, it's like, it's taken a couple of years after middle school to really realize like, 
that was such a gift that you gave me that I didn't get sucked into that at the time. So you've got to give your kids time to come back around and say, well, you were probably right. Yeah, exactly. They're not going to be like, thanks, mom. You're saving me for so much. They don't have to like you and your decisions every single day to have a good relationship in the long run. Yes, yes. And there are so many things that we said yes to because we knew that there were a lot of internet no's in our house. And so it's like, man, you know, what can I say yes to? You know, what kinds of connection is my kid really looking for? I belong to a parenting kind of like a resource group on Facebook called Parenting in a Tech World. And there's hundreds of thousands of people in this group. And so you can get your questions answered about like super technical things, which I love. Um, But there are also great stories and just um, you can get a perspective from people who are walking a different way. And I remember this fifth grade teacher posting that she asked her kids, you know, if if you didn't have phones and the internet, you know, for the day, like what, what would you do? And the kids who talked about wanting to be with their parents and like do fun things, they like to do fun things with their parents. Other kids are like, you're so lucky. And that's heartbreaking, you know? So I think as parents, we have to check our own distraction and, you know, how busy we are and really stop to say, Hey, Oh, you want to learn how to ride horses? Okay. You know, you want to learn how to fix a car? Like, that's not my jam, but like, what can we do? You can have our driveway. Um, Yeah, let's, let's green light some of these things. So I think there are things that as parents, we just have to be on the lookout for that provide other avenues of connection with our child. So that can be strengthened when we're saying no a lot to the technology stuff. I think that's really helpful because to your point, if we focus only on the technology or the blocking protections, our kids are going to be exposed to it in a different way. They're going to either find a way around it in our own house, or they're going to be with a friend and they'll find a way around it outside of our house. Mm -hmm. And so having that connection and having our kids feel like, yeah, my parents don't let me do this, but they do let me do this other thing that Mm -hmm. other kids aren't able to do makes it feel less one-sided to them, I think. And I think, you know, one of the things that was helpful for one of our kids was a little bit more aware of how people perceived him. Mm -hmm. And so we gave him a saying that um, kind of took the heat off. And it was when people say, oh, you don't have social media. And he would say, I prefer to keep my stupidity off the internet. And that usually (laughs) got a laugh. And, and then it would kind of be done, you know, because I think kids can feel like, well, no, my parents won't let me. And, you know, it's like really, you know, give them some uh, value in it. Like this is, I help them have some buy-in, you know? Um, So that was really helpful. And then my other kid is like, I think it's pointless. And so he's already got that internal filter of like, why such a, such a waste of time. And he'll probably feel differently one day, but you know, while he's in that phase, I'm rejoicing. I want to make that quote like known far and wide. <laughs> I prefer to keep my stupidity off the internet, which is honestly one of the really important things that we want to do for our kids because yeah. everything is public. So I, it's it's funny. It gives them something to say. Everybody understands exactly what he's saying when yeah. he says it. 
and it's true. Right. Like that's what we all want for our kids. Yes. And you don't have to go very far to find news stories and whatever of, you know, the, the warnings of kids that didn't do that. And we certainly have, anytime it's come across, you know, our inbox or we're seeing something, we make a point to share those things with our kids so that they realize like your parents aren't crazy. You know, your parents actually, we're trying to help you prevent some of this. And we're just, we just want your brain to cook a little bit longer. You know, that, that's what we're after. Give you some life skills. You know, let's, let's get a job. Let's learn how to fix things with their hands. Let's serve, you know, at the homeless shelter. Let's do all of these things so that your brain develops different kinds of connections so that you can actually critically think when you, the time comes for you to have yeah. social media. You could use it for something good, you know? Absolutely. You know, I know there's a lot that goes into you helping families inside their homes. And mm-hmm. as you mentioned, each family is a little different in what their needs are. But are there any kind of like general recommendations or protective tools that you think us parents should know about to try and create a household that is more inter- internet safe? Yes. So I would say the first thing is the router, the Wi-Fi sender outer in your home. Many people are like, I don't even know what my router is. Um, it's the thing that gives everybody everything Wi-Fi. And that is a really key ingredient to protecting your home. And so, you know, it's probably been six or seven years now that there have been some great products on uh, the market that will actually plug into your router or become your router, either one. And allow you the opportunity to filter and block pretty much everything in your home that connects to Wi-Fi. And where we have seen this be incredibly important is the um, the onset of smart TVs in every room. And smart TVs have some you know, things. Maybe you can put a pin code on certain apps and whatever. But when you have a Wi-Fi filter on that TV, you can literally say, this TV in the bonus room is only used from 3 to 5 p.m. And it, it doesn't show Netflix and doesn't show Hulu, but it will show Disney+. Plus. That's a great tool for a family that wants to keep their kids engaged in other things and not sneaking off to all parts of the house to watch things. And even if they're not bad things, it's like it, protecting your kid's brain is part of your job as a parent right now. So the two kinds of uh, router, filter, Wi-Fi systems that we would recommend would be uh, Circle Home Plus or Gryphon, G-R-Y-P-H-O-N is how you spell it. Um, And those will give you a lot of coverage. You can set a downtime. You can pause the internet. Super helpful, especially when your kids are learning how to stay home alone. We just recommend Um, but then aside from that, if your kid already has a phone, then you know that anything you put on your Wi-Fi is not going to apply to their phone. They're just going to switch over to data, right? So, um, it's really important that you make sure you know how to use the parental controls that are available to you in each ecosystem. So if your kid has an Android, that's Google Family Link. And that's going to help you prevent your kid from downloading Snapchat or being on the phone at three in the morning instead of sleeping. We recommend keeping the phones out of the bedroom anyway, but I know kids who sneak downstairs to get it and go back upstairs. So Google Family Link is Android for iOS. For Apple um, iPhones, it's iOS screen time. And 
I would encourage parents to realize if those parental controls are available to you and you don't use them, you're sending an unintended message to your kid that you are totally ready for this. You don't need any oversight. I'm out of the equation. And so if something bad or catastrophic or slightly coming up on the edge of that happens, it's difficult to pull back because you haven't built in your kid the level of, I'm training you, so I have supervision rights. And it's just something that is going to serve you well, and you can take them off as your kid grows independence, no problem. But I think when you use those, you're letting your kid know there's just, you know, there's a time suck here. There's parts of the internet we don't feel comfortable you going to alone. And as you grow, that'll change. And just doing those two things alone would really get families a long way down the road in protecting their homes. Yeah, I think that's really helpful. And as a non-techie person, like I did not know about this router thing. And we just were really late on the TV game. But so we just got the smart TV where like everything's on it. And it's been okay, like for this little bit that we've had it because our kids, it hasn't even crossed their minds yet to try to do something else. But we know, we know we have to there, you know, so we're like, there has to be a way. So you're giving us the way. And I really appreciate that. And we'll include links to everything in the show notes for parents who are like, what did she say? Griffin, what? Um, So that you can get access to help your families do that. And if families want to learn more about the services that you offer or where you may be offering workshops that they can learn more about your work, where can they find you? So on parentswhofight.com, there are um, obviously the live events that we're doing. There's links to schedule a consultation time with us. Um, So you can go to a calendar and just book a time. And there's all of our resources. So the resources are in the technology sphere, like here, that's where you'll find Circle and Griffin and all of that, um, books that we recommend, other software products that we recommend. So if you go to our website, you'll pretty clearly see um, some different areas that you can just continue the learning, learn what films are out there that'll teach you about you know the kinds of dangers that are available. And there's a lot um, that as parents, we can do just to do our homework. And we provide links to all that at parentswhofight.com. Well, thank you. And thank you for making it approachable. You know, it's it's a lot and it's overwhelming, but many of the suggestions you've offered are really just, you know, in real life parenting. It's not, we don't have to be tech experts to get through and do a lot of good with our kids. Yes, for sure. Thank you so much for joining me today, Sarah. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Raising Middle School Girls podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more conversations with experts designed to help you support your middle school girl, please hit subscribe. You can also sign up for the newsletter at the link in the show notes to receive emails about tips and resources, upcoming events, and new podcast episodes, all designed to support you and your child.